Luke chapter 11, let's keep our Bibles open there. This is interesting, in the book of Luke, this is a place where the Heavenly Father is mentioned several times. Not only in prayer, but also in His love for us as His children. See, one of the things that some of us, because of dads who have failed in the Christian life and in their role as a father, many people struggle with their relationship with God because of their relationship with their earthly father. As I just reminded you in previous statements, that Satan wants to get a dad angry, abusive, addicted, aloof, just not involved, or even absent altogether. I talked to a young man this week and he said, "Uh, I uh, I don't know my dad, and it hurts me so bad. I know that he's the reason I'm here, but I don't know him. Whenever somebody uh, is, a, is a child, they naturally have two things when they're born. Number one, an appetite. When they're in the stomach of their mother, they don't want to eat anything, but birth changes that. And the same is true when we're saved. Before you're saved, you probably don't have interest in the Word of God. But once we're saved, we have an appetite. We want to know the Bible. What does God have to say? We have spiritual, before we're saved, we probably don't have any interest in hearing, preaching, or studying the Bible. But after we're saved, God uh, puts an appetite in us. Number two, he puts inside of you a desire to know your father. Everybody wants a good dad. And we find here in the passage of Scripture, Jesus is praying. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is praying. And while he's praying, his disciples listen to him talk to his father. And they could see a very unique relationship there. They saw an openness. Jesus said, I do all those things which please the Father. He says in John chapter uh, 10, he says, I and the Father are one. He says, I am a reflection. Who is the Father? How do you know what he looks like? Jesus is the image of the Father. They were very, they're close. And God wants you to be close to him. And he wants your kids to be close to you, Dad. In the book of Malachi, excuse me, the last book of the Bible, Malachi, before God closes out the Old Testament and waits 400 years until he'll open his, uh, his word again to his people, he says, you'll know when the Savior is coming, when the Messiah is coming, because I'm going to send a forerunner, someone to tell Tell him that that Jesus is the Messiah. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to turn the hearts of children to their fathers and the hearts of fathers to their children. I think it's a very core thing. I think one of the things that is such a, a disaster in our nation, our nation is a mess. How many would agree with that? I mean, we're running around with our hair on fire. Right is wrong, wrong is right. It's just in your face, wickedness. But it really goes back to a lot of time, a lack of leadership in the home. Lack of leadership in men who are not responsible. When God made the first man, Adam, he gave him three things right out of the box. Number one, he gave him responsibility. I want you to dress and keep this garden. He said, I'm going to give you responsibility. The first thing he gave Adam before he gave him anything else, he said, look, your job is going to, this is your garden. I want you to dress it. I want you to take care of it. And I want you to protect it. And our society is gone with men who have not protected 
or provided for their children, for their families, for the garden that God's given them. Ignorant of those things. Number two, he said, I'm going to give you a rule. The rule is you can eat any tree of the garden, but this, this tree, the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat that. Don't eat that. That's a rule. By the way, we don't like rules, but we should embrace them. The commandments of God are not grievous. God help us when we think, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. No, no, it's what's hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Live like an idiot, and you'll know a little bit about hardness. Live against God's laws, and you're going to find some things that are going to, you're going to come out beaten and broken. The laws of God are stable. They're strong, and you don't break God's laws. Not any of us ever broke God's law. You know who we break? We break ourselves against them. Because they stand firm. Your arms are too short to box with God. You can try to go against him and you can say you don't need him and you got your own ideas and things of that nature. But let me tell you, the Bible's very clear and God knows the future. And he says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He's true. And everyone who tries against him comes against them, loses. There was a Mr. Voltaire years ago as a Frenchman, and he, he worked really hard to make sure that uh, he removed the Bible from the French people. He was an atheist and very aggressive against anyone who was a Christian. And he said, he said publicly numbers of times, a hundred years from now, no one will ever hear of a Bible. And you know, a hundred years from that day, they used his house to print Bibles. And most of us have no idea who Voltaire is, but we know who Jesus is. Because man is no match for God. But he's our heavenly father. And when the disciples heard Jesus talk to his father, one of them said unto them, Lord, can you help me get in on that? Can you help us understand what that relationship, that communication is? To your heavenly father. Let's look at verse number one. Can we please? We're in Luke chapter 11, verse number one. And let's look at it together. Everybody, would you please? And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased or stopped praying, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And once you notice here, how many uh, disciples did he have at the time? He had many disciples, but he had 12 apostles, 12 of them that were with, real close with him. How many of them asked him to teach him to pray? One. I submit to you that probably in this wonderful room of such great friends and wonderful people, that probably only about one in 12 of us have any interest in prayer. And sometimes less than that. We promote cottage prayer meetings. Many people, we've been doing this for probably eight years. Some people have not gone to one. They have no interest to get their wife and kids to one of those prayer meetings. I don't know what, what you're thinking. Maybe you can't. Maybe you're providentially hindered. Maybe it is we just don't have interest. And I think one in 12 pastors probably. I, I don't know if I'm even in that one group. I want to be in that group. I want to be the minority when it comes to people who want to pray. Because prayer can do anything God can do and God can do anything. I want to be a good dad. But you know one of the best things I can do as a dad is pray for my children. Pray for the father of my children to be what he ought to be. Not just to mentor, but to model Christianity. 
I ought to pray that God would help our Sunday school teachers, our teachers. Many of us, we become extremely critical of everything and everybody. And oftentimes it's because we don't pray. You know, I heard a man say recently, Johnny Pope said this. He said, I have known many pulpiteers who could preach eloquent messages that would wow and hold people uh, uh, in his palm of his hand while he's preaching. I've seen them fall. I've seen people, men who are great organizers, who could organize great events and projects and churches, and I've seen them fall from grace and from God's, God's usefulness for them. He said, but I've yet to live, and he's 70-something years old, he said, I've yet to see a man or woman serious about prayer fall. Most of us are not willing to pray the price. But I hope that you will decide today, I want to be one of 12. But there's 12 people out there, and, and one of them is interested in prayer. I want to be in that, in that group. And one of them said, not all of them, they didn't all say, oh, Lord, teach us. He said, one of them said, hey, can you, can you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? I hope you will say, you might say, Pastor, what can we do about our prayer life? I often say this, pray about it. <laughs> That's what this guy did. He said, God, teach me how to get in on this. I want to be able to know the Father like you know the Father. How well do you know the Father? I'm fearful that some of us have been saved. We have been forgiven by God, but we're going to have shock treatment when we stand before God one day. It's going to be so much more different than what we ever thought it was. We're going to have so many more things like, I could have had that relationship while I was here. We have just ignored him, just like children who sometimes, instead of when their dad asks them a question, they go, hi, dad, and they go in the room and slam the door and leave dad out in the, in the living room. We're, we've done that to God. This disciple said, you know, Lord, can you teach us to pray the way John taught his disciples to pray? Let's continue. He opens up his prayer life. And he gives them not a prayer to be prayed. You can see this prayer more, more specifically done in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, right in chapter 6. In the early part of that chapter, he gives them this right here. This seems to be another time. This is not the Sermon on the Mount, but he rehearses that. And by the way, repetition is the key to learning. God repeats things for reasons. They're of emphasis. We reap a harvest or we sow an emphasis. And he says, now... He said, you're asking me to teach you to pray. I'm not going to tell you to pray this prayer. Now, most of us, if I started this prayer today, you could say it with me, our Father, which art in heaven. Now, you wouldn't want to do that reading this passage of Scripture. It'll mess you all up because it's done a little different, isn't it? It's the words are a little different. But it's not a prayer to be prayed in repetition. It's, a, it's a, an outline. It's an understanding of going to your heavenly Father. How does he like to be approached? And what is the purpose of prayer? And you'll see some analogies here because he'll start off with our Father. Our Father. Look at verse number uh, 2, if you would, please. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, what's the next two words? Prayer, number one, it starts with a person. And the person is the Father. Now, anyone can pray to Jesus. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. But if you ask Jesus how you should pray, he would say, I think it would be best for you to approach the Father. Now, there's, there's some, some small, it doesn't matter. I, he, I've heard it, someone say, you know, I can talk to whichever one. They're all one, and I can talk to Jesus. I can talk to the Holy Spirit. And I, don't, I don't think it's, I'm not going to argue about that. I, don't need, I, don't, I, don't, I think I would do that too sometimes. But here, if you say, who should you direct your attention to? He said, I, I'd like to encourage you in prayer. If you want me to ask you, give you a lesson on prayer, address the Father. Now, some of you have a hard time even saying Father. 
that whole concept's messed you up, and, and Satan has lied to you. And when our father and mother forsake us, then the Lord will pick us up. But let me just tell you, if you say, I'm having a hard time with the Father, I don't even want to say that. Listen, you need to change your mind. You need to repent of that stinking thinking and say, you know what? He is my dad. He is my heavenly Father, and he wants to be approached in that way. He said, our Father, you talk about the person of prayer. And by the way, I think all of us have a responsibility to honor our father and our mother. Not as long as they're alive, but as long as you're alive. You're not relieved of that when you're a child. Be careful what you say about your dad or how, how you indicate things about your mom or your dad. Because you and your life, be careful what you do when you're away from them. See, one of the best ways you can honor your mom and dad is to live a good life when you're away from them. Because your life reflects them. And that's the same is true with our Heavenly Father. He said, when you pray, pray our Father. Number two, the place that he lives is heaven. And by the way, um, this is his home. And dads, you and I need to go home. We need to do our homework. He said, which is more important to child rearing, quality time or quantity time? Both. Both. Children need a dad. You can get another job, but men don't lay on their deathbeds, and I've watched a number of people die. None of them have said, man, I wish I could have worked more overtime. None of them said, well, I wish I would have. Most of them just say, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I failed my children. I failed my wife. I failed my family. And that quality and quantity times, and we ought to pray for our dads, that God would give us wisdom about this. But he references his place, and his place was heaven. I want you to notice, second of all, his program, the program of the, of the Father. He says here, um, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we see praise. And, of course, God's name is hallowed. That's why he said any other name, you know, no one gets mad and say, ah, Adolf Hitler. When was the last time you heard someone say, ah, Buddha? No. You know, when people curse, they curse the God of the Bible. They curse his son's name. When you have cursed and I have cursed, we have cursed the God of the Bible. Why do we do that? You know why we do that? Because we have an Adamic sinful nature that's against God from infancy. Now, foolishness is bound up in our heart. But we find here that when we approach God, we need to approach his person, his place, and praise him. Hallow his name. Listen, Daddy, be careful what comes out of your mouth. Young man who is going to be a dad one day, be careful how you talk. Be careful your words are sound words. Don't get caught up in Christian curse words. Oh, my gosh. Freaking. Some of these things we use just so ca casually. And they're all substitutes for profane vile things. Be careful about that. Jiminy Cricket, Jesus Christ, is a substitute. So be careful what you say with your mouth, and his name is holy. And if we're going to approach the Father, we need to know his name, a person. We need to know his, his, his praise that he deserves. And then his program. When you're talking to the Heavenly Father, you're not trying to get your will done 
in heaven, you're trying to get his will done in your life. As children, we're oftentimes trying to manipulate our parents to do what we want them to do. We want a car. We want to be able to go to our friend's house. We're thinking, how can I talk to my dad? How can I talk to my mom? My mom says, no, I'm going to go talk to dad. And we are very strong in our will, and sometimes we take that to the heavenly father. But you know, the Bible says, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, the purpose of prayer is not trying to get your will done in heaven. It's trying to get heaven's will done in your life. It's trying to get on the same page with the heavenly father and say, Lord, what is it you're trying to accomplish? What's in your kingdom plan? And dads, by the way, as fathers, we ought to have some purpose and program. What is God trying to accomplish in our life? Sir, what are you trying to accomplish? Do you just sit, soak, and sour? Are you just getting along? Does everybody know that the most selfish person in our home is our father? We don't want to be that way. We ought to have a purpose, and everything God does is for his glory and others' good. His glory and others' good. We do things, and you know what? That's what God does. He does it for his glory. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I want you to have your will done. Boy, boys and girls, you, ought to, you, you, you say, want to be a good, good son, good daughter? Ask, ask yourself, what do you think my dad would want me to do here? We have our oldest son who passed away when he was 17, who was riding with a sweet family in our church and, and passed away. And I, I, um, in, the, in the aftermath of that, several days went by, and, and his friends came to our house. And they would sit with us in our living room, and they would tell us about uh, our... Um, our son, we got some folks here. Let's, let's help them. Give me, get a couple guys to help them exit here. That's fine. That'd be great. It's become a distraction. I apologize about that. Thank you very much for helping them. When our son passed away, I remember his friends coming. And one of the things that his friends told us that we did not know, he said, first of all, he said, uh, Tyler always talked about getting married. He said he was going to get married when he was young. And we didn't even know if he had a girlfriend. I said to his friend, hey, he had a girlfriend? He says, no, he didn't have a girlfriend, but he wanted to get married young. I kind of, I kind of felt that I'm glad because he saw a dad that was pretty happy being married. And he said, you know what? I want to be like my dad and marry young. By the way, we ought to, every parent, every dad ought to say, Lord, I want to be more like you because my kids say they want to be like me. And there's nothing wrong with a child wanting to be like his dad. But it's really wrong when his dad's not like God. And that's something all every dad ought to get a checkup from the neck up and say, am I anyone? You know, some folks, our kids leave our homes, and they go under our authority, they go under God's authority, and it's shock treatment for them. Because their dad is nowhere near what God is like. Every dad ought to study how does God love his kids and how does he treat his kids and how does he respond to them. We see the passage of Scripture, but I, I remember a second thing that blessed my heart when his friends started telling Linda and I about our son. He said, you know, your son always wanted to please you. See, I remember, remember several times we were in things, and I said, hey, let's go do that. And, and Tyler would say, ah, I better talk to my dad about that because I don't want to do anything that would hurt my dad. Well, whenever you lay his six-foot, four-inch body in the grave, 
you're glad that he brought you joy, didn't want to hurt you. Very, very blessed, it blessed us. You know, we ought to think about everything we do, we don't want to hurt our Heavenly Father. We don't want to do anything that would give others a bad name to him. He's our Heavenly Father. We should praise him. We should get on his program. But then also, we should petition him. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, every dad ought to be ready and willing to help their child. At the end of this passage of Scripture, and we'll not have time to go to it, he said, look, this is how God is like. He wants you to petition him. He wants you to ask him for things. And whatever you need, ask him. He said, God does that too. He said in, in, in the last part of this passage of Scripture, he said, look, if an if a earthly father who is a sinner at his core, if his son asks him for bread, he doesn't say, here, son's chewing a rock for a while. No. If he asks him for a fish, he doesn't give him a, a snake. If he asks him for an egg, he doesn't return him a, a scorpion to bite him in the mouth. No, no. He said, if I, as a human father, know how to do good things to my children, how much more is your heavenly father? You know, when you pray to God, get this in your mind. You're not trying to overcome his reluctance to listen to you. If you look at the Bible, you'll see he says, come how? Boldly. He said, I want you to come into me. You are my child. You have access to me because you have Jesus. You don't have to say, oh, I've got, even in the, in the pastor's scripture here that we see, the importunity, the asking, knocking, seeking. He said, go ahead and keep asking and knocking. Because he's not a bothered neighbor that doesn't want you to come to the store. The reason this guy came is because he was unprepared. He did not have something to give his neighbors, and he had nothing. And the power of nothing caused him to go to God, to go to his neighbor. And he became insistent because he had nothing. And by the way, all of us need to realize you got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Everything I do, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not prepared for. I need the help of God. And there's two things that cause me to pray, helplessness and faith. When I realize I don't have it and I, tr I turn that helplessness to God, then I exercise faith. There's two things that make me good at praying. And that is practice and perseverance. When I keep practicing prayer and I keep, I keep praying. Some of us, we prayed for something one time. We said, ah, God's probably not interested. Oh, he's interested. And sometimes his delays are not denials. God answers every prayer. Every prayer, he gives a response. Now, sometimes they're direct answers to prayer. When you pray, God answers. How many can think back in your life when you prayed for something you couldn't believe it? God answered it so quick. Can you remember that? Yeah. That parking spot over at Walmart, you know? That thought you had, well, I want this right here. And the Lord said, boom, here it is. Brother Lee was telling me about one day he was in his house and he was, he was thinking about a Pop-Tart. He said, I've got craving a Pop-Tart. I said, Lord, if you're all that, give me a Pop-Tart. 9.30 night, he couldn't go off into the area. It was too, too. He said, a roommate walked in and said, hey, you want a Pop-Tart? <laughs> He's like, God's real. You know, sometimes God answers things directly. Sometimes he answers them with no. He denies them. And boy, sometimes we don't like hearing no. How many of you like that? You've got a kid like that, doesn't like hearing no. Sometimes we don't like to hear no. But sometimes God says it directly. Sometimes he denies it. Sometimes he delays it. What you want now, he says, it's not good for you now. 
That's, that's a few months down the road. That's a few years down the road. That may be a little later. You want it, but it's not now. It's not the time. By the way, he does all things for his glory and our good. His glory and our good. God knows what time it is. I'm sure in the hundred years since Malachi laid down his pen and wrote the last words of the Old Testament, 400 years went by of silence. And people were waiting. They were, the Roman government overcame all the nations of the world, and especially the Jewish people. And they cried out to the Lord, saying, hey, Lord, when are you going to? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. It reminds me that God knows what time it is. Sometimes he answers directly. Sometimes he denies. Sometimes he delays, and sometimes he answers a different way. How many are so glad that God didn't answer all of your prayers? You'd be married to the wrong person, wouldn't you? Boy, sometimes we, we pray things, oh, Lord, I want this, and we think that's what we want. And the, the last thing, I was like, boy, am I glad God did not give me that. And I'm glad he answered it a different way than I had planned. What I wanted was not good for me and not good for God. What he wanted was best. And he answered a different way. But it all goes back to a relationship with the Father. He says, I want you to petition the Father. And then he goes, I want you to ask me to forgive your sin. You know, every father needs to be a forgiving father. Why? Because you've been forgiven. And if you're here today, you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven, you haven't been forgiven. You need to get forgiveness from the Lord. That's really important. He said, you go to me and you ask me to forgive you, then I'll forgive you. And then... He's a protecting father. He said, deliver me from evil. Deliver me from temptation or challenges that are, keep me from that. I wonder how many griefs we often have because we do not carry a prayer of protection from our heavenly father. A father is someone who is very dear, but you have a model in God the Father. And oh, would to God that I would be able to, to pray and be a praying dad, but also emulate these things to my children. They could petition me. If they fail, I'll forgive them. If they need protection, I'm looking out for their best interests the way God is doing for us. Let's pray together, can we?